Podcast fans, we are one week into our experiment to release one episode per week, and the feedback has been great, so we're going to keep that rolling for a little while. And I tell you what, the feedback was great when we reposted episode 69 with Phil Martelli a few weeks ago. So here we go again. We're going to repost episode 51 with the great Steve Collins of Madison Memorial High School, but you know him from teachhoops.com. He is our first sponsor of this show, so please be sure to visit teachhoops.com slash 816basketball before listening to this episode. This episode was great fun. He has taught us a bunch about podcasting, and he just does a great job with the basketball community at large. So again, teachhoops.com slash 816basketball. And if you haven't done it already, check out the Competitive Mindset Podcast with our good friend Billy Kegler on social media at Competitive Pod. Hello and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast, brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Rosefield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris de Blasio. Thank you, Brian. Pleasure to be here, as always, on the Greatest Games Podcast, a chance for us to catch up with basketball coaches from around the country and have them tell us about their greatest game. As always, it can be their time as a head coach, a JV coach, an assistant coach, a, a coach coaching in a hockey land, just whatever game they consider to be their greatest game. Now, before we go any further, Chris, did you just say hockey land? Can hockey you... land, like an area where hockey is big. Okay, okay. All right. Well, you know, I'm in South Carolina. That, that is not true down here, but that's that's okay. I just never heard of hockey land. Um, <laughs> but learn something new every day. But let's let's move on from that. You know, Chris, we're, we came off of our 50th episode with Coach Eddie Fogler. Uh, this is this the little podcast that could, right? And so we're going into another big-time guest for episode 51 here. You know him as the head coach of Madison Memorial in Wisconsin, but he also has the High School Hoops podcast, the Basketball Coach Unplugged podcast, and teachhoops.com. That's a mouthful. Steve Collins, welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast. Well, thank you. Well, that was a great intro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can pay me. I'll come around I with guess. you around Wisconsin. My, my, my mom must have gotten a hold of you. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, Coach Collins, I had the pleasure of doing his podcast a few months ago, early, early, early on in quarantine. One of his, I don't even know which one it was. I guess it was the Coach's Unplugged one, I think. Yeah, and it's, I mean, I'm at like, I'm at like 800 in that one, like seven days a week. 51, 51. <laughs> still got a ways to go. Well, it was a great podcast. I think if I remember right, you split it up into three different episodes because Chris has had so much information or I don't know what it was, but it was, it was, it was a great episode. It really was. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, it was, it was really good. I'm, I'm trying to, I, I'm trying to keep them shorter because people tell me they want the commute. They want them like less than 30, but. Sometimes they go really long. So it's yeah, hard. that's what that's what I find. People love listening to podcasts on their commute. So like twenty to thirty minutes is you know most people have somewhere in that general range of a commute to work. And if they can in the morning call up an episode and play it on their way to work, it's just something to relax them. And so we try, we try to do the same thing too. Try not to keep it too too long. Yeah, it's it's crazy how that works too. Like I'm just I'm just starting to get back to pre COVID kind of numbers now, and they're actually going up a lot but it's, it's crazy. Well, we're helping, we're hoping you help our numbers. That's oh, I'll help. I'll, I'll help. I'll help. Yeah. <laughs> so coach, why don't you just take us through your basketball resume and how you got to be where you are today? Oh, wow. Okay. 
I see. I always ask that question, so I wasn't really expecting that question to be asked. Um, well, <laughs> uh, wow, thirty years of coaching. Um, I'm trying to do the math. I think it's 22 at the high school I'm at right now, um, and uh, have been really lucky. Had a lot of really good players, um, and you know, like I, I think I maybe have told you, Chris, he, two types of coaches: coaches with players and ex-coaches. Um, and I, and I've been really blessed to have them. Um, and I was lucky. I found a, you know, I didn't get my first head coaching job. Um, you know, I started as an eighth grade coach and worked kind of my way up. And, uh, the first job I thought I should get, I didn't get, which was a blessing at the time. But, um, and then, uh, put a little time in and ended up getting a job, uh, geez, maybe three months after I got married. So my wife only knows me as a head basketball coach, which I would highly advise anybody that thinks that going into coaching is, you know, become a head coach before you get married. Cause then they'll only know that lifestyle. Um, and then, yeah, we've had, we've had some really good teams and hopefully we're going to talk about one of those games. So you mentioned starting out as an eighth grade coach, what have, what the the value and and I, I'm coming at this from a little bit about me. I was a former student manager, so I've not that that's starting at the bottom and not that starting it as an, as an eighth grade coach is starting at the bottom, but that's really ground floor grassroots. So what have you what did you learn as an eighth grade coach that you still carry with you today, thirty years later? Well, I can tell you. I'll tell you a story about walking in. I did my one of my student teaching things in a middle school, and that's when people. You remember when people used to have to like dial a phone? <laughs> remember those days? I remember calling my parents and saying, "I'm never walking back into a middle school to teach again," because um, <laughs> it's a special little world for those kiddos. It's um, but uh, I think what I learned, and I was helping coach at that at that when I was student teaching. Um, I think I learned how you have to learn how to teach the game at the more basic level. And I was, a, I was playing college basketball at a D three school and doing my student teaching and helping out with this eighth grade team. And I think it taught me that just because I know it, they don't necessarily know it. And just because, you know, I'd played the game so long and just, you know, at a pretty high level that it's just, I assume people knew how to do things. Um, and I think I've carried that along my entire, my entire career and don't assume things, don't assume that they know how to do it. Um, you know, I'm dealing with D1 guys sometimes and they still don't know what a, you know, pivot should look like. So, <laughs> um, so I, I think that really helped. Um, yeah, I think that, that, that was one of the, that was one of the turning points as far as, as, as becoming, and hopefully becoming a better teacher too. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, I, in my time as a freshman coach, which I spent eight of the last 10 years or so as a freshman coach, and then even as the one my one year as a JV coach, I would always say, if, and I, I would repeat this, if I say something, I, if I say a term that you don't know, stop me and say, coach, I don't know what you mean. Because if you don't, I'm just going to assume you know. And then when right. you don't do it or you don't know, I said, don't be afraid to say, coach, I don't know what the elbow is. Okay, fine. Then we'll talk about what the elbow is. So sometimes, the, yeah, it's hard to, like, break that down. Like, you, you, you might think, like, I know it, so why don't they know it? Right. And what I've been doing, I've been doing this for 30 years, and I, and I still don't know everything. I don't, by, by, not even close. But what I've been doing is actually coming up with terms that I can handle because I'm having a little bit of a turnover at freshman level and stuff. 
here are my, here are our terms for our program. You know, it's kind of like I don't want to call it a Bible, but kind of a you know, yeah. here's a here's a here's a dictionary. When people actually used to have dictionaries and look words up in a book, um, here's our dictionary. Look, you know, if you don't know what something means, look it up here. It will right. be in here. Um, and that's something I've been working on during this pandemic a little bit. Not totally done with it, but I'm getting closer. Awesome. Coach, what are, you know, this is a unique question for you. You've been through it now in different stages of this question. What do you see the role of parents, uh, especially of high school kids? And, and do you meet with your parents before the season to discuss, uh, you know, how the program's going to one? And I'm not saying tell them what their role is, but kind of break down how the organizational structure works in, in your program. Uh, I, I did, I used to do it more when I wasn't quite as, as established as I am now. Um, cause our kind of our culture has been built. Um, I definitely have a preseason meeting and talk about stuff with them. Um, I'm not under the Bobby Knight philosophy that an orphanage is the best place to coach. Um, <laughs> you ever hear that expression before? I, I might actually agree with that. I don't <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, what I have found, and my son just graduated, because you know that. I talk about him all the mm. time. Um, I think one of the big keys, and I kind of learned this as he was coming through it, is um, I over-communicate or I have my parent rep over-communicate. Because um, most parents – now, there's exceptions to every rule, and they're, they're called outliers from stats teacher, from the stats teacher. Um, but most of the time they get upset when they don't know what's going on. Um, and so I try to over communicate or have my parent rep over communicate. They can agree to disagree with who I'm playing and what I'm doing. Um, but as long as they know when the bus leaves and that Johnny will have his lunch and all that kind of stuff, they tend to be much happier. Um, but yeah, I always have a pre parent meeting. Uh, but I'm also under the philosophy that I try to deal with the kid more 99% of the times if I'm dealing with the kid and the kid knows that him and I are on the same page again, maybe not agreeing, um, but necessarily on the same page, they can take care of mom and dad basically at home on that home front for me. Um, so again, the one percenters are the ones that I probably could list. I could list seven of them to you right now in my 30 years and they just stick with you back here in the back of your head. Um, but then I've had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds that have been great. So, you know, you just kind of move on and, I'm an old dog at this point. It's, you know, <laughs> I'll go fishing if they, they fire me. So, <laughs> I think it's so key, though. I mean, one of my mentors, really, that was the director of operations in South Carolina back when I was a GA, Billy Old, said, flood them with paperwork. And that time I was doing academics, class checking, you know, study hall reports. And I'm typing up these reports. I'm like, nobody wants to look at this. And Billy's like, send it anyway. Send it every day just so there's no question. And that's something I've carried with me even now as an AD, just – so there's no question just you know I think it was was it Bobby Crimmins said this to never send a, floor, a, a team on the floor without everybody knowing exactly what they need to do with way right so and then and, and we were just talking about me going into the classroom virtually in a couple of weeks before we came on I, I'm going to tell you right now I'm going to have go to school night the first week with parents like me just me I don't know what the school's doing but I'm having right. go to school night and we're gonna here's your half hour come ask me anything you want because I'm sure you got lots of questions and I'm telling you if I do that that first week it's gonna take care of, like here's my email here's my cell phone I don't care if you anything comes down you need get a hold of me here it is 
because they don't know either. I mean, we're all walking into this fog yeah. right now. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to try to say, Hey, we're just going to do this. If you can make it, you don't have to, we're going to do a zoom. Here it is. I'll do, you know, two and a half hours worth of it. I don't care. And you know, but I think that's a great advice for anybody that's listening. Yeah. Well, speaking of mentor, I kind of blah, blah, I I set myself up for a segue here. So I mentioned mentors. So now I'm going to ask Steve about his mentor. So I'm just curious, any mentors that you've had along the way as good in terms of coaching or life or in general, just I'd love to hear about your mentor, Steve. I've got a lot and it just depends. You know, I, I was talking to my son about this too. I think you have to have mentors for different things in your life. Um, as far as coaching goes, you know, I was under seven head coaches, I think, by the time I got my first head job. And I would say going all the way back to my high school coach to um, the last coach that I was under, um, who ended up being the principal of our school, they were all different mentors along the way. Um, you know, obviously, my parents have been huge mentors. My brother's a huge mentor. Um, but they're all for all for different things. And what I was getting to is I was telling my son this, I think you got to find mentors for like, you know, <laughs> if I have any finance, my brother's got his Harvard MBA, if I have any financial or business things, I call him like, you know, and then, you know, if you have a spiritual one, you, you call that person. So I think he, you have to have mentors for different things and sometimes they overlap. Um, and that's, that's, that's like the sweet spot when there's like somebody that can do two or three of them. Um, but I, I mean, from a basketball standpoint, I did, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't want to name one because I probably have so many. Um, and to be honest with you, my, the staff I have right now are my mentors. Like, shoot, I feel like I know less now after these last four months than I did a year ago. Like <laughs> with all this information that's come out, I've had to like actually take a step back um, and not go through all of it. It's, it's almost made my head explode with the amount of information <laughs> that's coming out. Um, and that's what I was telling Chris beforehand with that roadmap. I was just trying to, I was trying to narrow, like, what do you need to be a coach? Um, because it's just like, Oh my God, it's just too much. It's like, don't get me started on TikTok. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I started a TikTok. You'd be very proud of me. I started a TikTok. I've never ticked or talked. <laughs> I've never done either. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to get you on then. I'm going to get you TikTok. Okay. I'll TikTok, do a TikTok, TikTok with you. <laughs> whatever, whatever that means. Uh, <laughs> it's how, mine. It's mine right. I know. I am just messing around. Uh, how, how do you counsel um, and help players that are being recruited? Whether it's Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, you know, how how do you go about that process as the coach with those kids? Um, I just try to put it in pers- first. There's a couple things I try to put it in perspective of what it is, um, and that it's a business, <laughs> and uh, you know, it's not. You know, my son's a my son was looking at some like really good academic little Ivy league schools. It's not quite a business down at that level. It's still a little bit of a business, um, you know, for an admission standpoint, a little bit more than it is from a financial standpoint. Um, but when you go up to the, the D ones and stuff, it's, you know, you can see what's happening with, and with college football right now, it's a business. So what I tell them is like, you have to think about in terms of a business, um, you know, what's best for you. Um, and then, you know, I have to keep telling them that, and this is the big part. There's a couple of things. 
you know, I start spreadsheets for them when they, when they start getting recruited, just so we can keep track of who's, who's, who's contacting us. How often are they contacting us? You know, that kind of stuff. Cause trying to keep, you know, I have a, I have a going to be sophomore that's getting recruited pretty heavily. And so I'm just trying to keep track of everything for him. Um, but what they're saying to you, they're saying to 12 other guys. Um, and that's, they don't necessarily hear me the first time. Um, but eventually they do. I said, because if you don't come, they need to, they need to have someone behind you. Like, um, and it's really hard for a 15, 16, 17 year old boy who's been told he's really good to hear that. But I said, they, not everybody can go to North Carolina and, you know, they can only take three, you know, Duke can only take three or four. So they have, if, if you don't come, they have to have someone else to take. So, um, I think that aspect of it. And then, um, when it gets closer to the end, I said, this is your, your, they're recruiting you. Don't let them pressure you into making a decision. Cause that's what I've noticed recently is, well, that's not going to be, and I said, if, and I remember talking to a kid, gosh, maybe four or five years ago. And there was a D two school looking at him, and there was a D three school looking at him, and the D two was partial. I said, do you want to go to the D two? He goes, ah, I said, go where you want to go. Like, don't make, don't, if they're going to say that scholarship's going to be gone, if you don't make the decision today, then, then say goodbye to them. And guess what? He said, I got to take more time and the scholarship didn't go away because they still wanted him. And he ended up going to the other school. So um, I think that's the hard thing is because that they start turning those screws real hard. Um, and if you're good enough and they want you, they'll wait. Um, and that's a hard, it's hard for parents to, to kind of sit on that sometimes. Um, but as far as advice goes, pick the school is what I tell them. Cause the coach will be, the coach could be gone. Like Wesley, who's playing for the Bucks right now. Um, oh, who was it? Was it Montgomery? Was Montgomery at Stanford? I yeah. Mike was. Montgomery. Yeah. He was at, he, he came to our school. He, he sat, he sat Wesley and me and his mom. I don't remember who else was in the room. And said, I'm never leaving Stanford. I want you, Wesley, blah, blah, blah. And no lie, like a week later, he was at Golden State or wherever like he Golden went. State, yeah. Yeah. It was like, boom. And that opened Wesley's eyes. It's like, whoa. It's like, well, Wesley just got offered $2 million. I mean, I'd leave too. Like, yeah. <laughs> sorry I said that to you, but he probably meant it when he said it to you. But it's still that, uh, it's still that business. So. Um, I think that's really hard for them to see. And it's just, as the adult, you got to just keep and Yeah. It's, it's hard. It's and, that, like, and that, and that Wesley is Wesley Matthews. Who, Wesley who Matthews Jr. Wesley Matthews Jr. 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 played with Magic. Yeah. He went to Wesley Matthews, went to Marquette, had a great career there. I would say top 10 best non-drafted players ever to play in the NBA. When Ooh, I looked at that's list. a good, oh, that's a good list. I got to look that up. I think he's top 10. When I looked at the list, he's probably top 10. Just because he's had such a long career. I mean, he's yeah, like. Yes. Well, it, back to that point, too, about the parents. It's almost like you need a roadmap for them just to keep keep it on repeat, you know. And I don't mean that in any disrespect because no. it's every every year you have a fresh cop of, of kids and a fresh cop of parents that just don't quite understand how, like you said, the business works. And so just keeping it on repeat. And what a, what a great lesson for him to see that Montgomery's going like, oh, coach really knows what he's talking about here. You, you said something. You said something about a mentor. I remember. I don't remember which mentor told me this. He says, 
when he was talking to parents, because I, I was young and I was in my late 20s and I was having problems. And he goes, Steve, you can't be rational with irrational people. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, these parents love their kids. When, when they graduate, they ain't coming back to the games and worried about you anymore. Like, they're worried about Johnny at that point. And it's like, you're trying to be rational. And they're not irrational. They love their kids. So he says, you just have to listen and spell things out and do those kind of things. And it will be, and that, that really was one of those things that I don't remember who said it to me, but it really kind of sit with, sat with me. Well, it's like, it's true that I'm, I'm not rational about my kids. It's like, I love my kids more than a rational person should. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, Oh man, I wish I could say that to a parent. <laughs> you can. You can, uh, you know, like what, you know, and, and I've said not that specifically to a parent, but like, you're only looking at your child on the court. I'm looking at all the children on the court, on the bench, on the JV team. You're looking at one, I'm looking at 15, you know, right. and, right. and it's, I get it. It's hard. You, you should love your child more than the other ones. Absolutely. I've had to say this to parents too. It's like, so, okay. So if I, so why'd you cut Johnny? And then I'll say, well, Johnny wasn't good enough. Johnny was 15 or 16. I said, if I don't keep, I think you have to believe I made the decision that I thought was right. You might disagree with it, but if I keep your kid, then, then, you know, Jim's parents are in here yelling at me. So <laughs> I have to make the right decision that I think is going to work. Um, but yeah, it's the, the rational era. It, it, it try to coach your own kid. Then you, oh, have like, I, you have two little, you have, I mean, it was really hard and it was hard not to watch the game. Like it was hard yeah. not to just watch the game, like watch him play. It was really hard. I didn't experience that firsthand. I experienced it secondhand. The, when I was at Kentucky, Saul Smith had moved into the starting point guard role as a junior for his dad. And I mean, for the family, that was a difficult year for mom, for dad, for Saul. And they all handled it like champs. They did. But it was, and especially at Kentucky, where everything's <laughs> magnified times a thousand. Oh, man. <laughs> right, I can't imagine that. Yeah, yeah, that place is that place is different. I can't imagine going through that. Um, we could talk about that for for hours. But let's go <laughs> ahead and get to the to the meat of the podcast here. You know, coach, you know this is the greatest games podcast, so we'd love to hear about. You know, take us into the arena. Let's hear about your greatest game. Oh, wow. All right. So 2011 state championship game. Um, in my opinion, probably one of the best games played at the state tournament. Um, ended up winning it in triple overtime. Um, and I think what made the game, so a couple of things made the game. I mean, I, don't, I couldn't remember the game actually after I'd coached it. Um, I had to come home and watch it because it was one of those games where um, luckily I had a lot of timeouts at the end. Um, I think we were up, we were down three with about a minute to go and we, you know, we'd come out and hit a two and then foul them. And they'd make both free throws and we'd do that back and forth. And I think it was like three or four possessions just in regulation, um, where I basically had to burn timeouts and, you know, we would fall, we'd make the shot, but then they would make both free throws. And then eventually got down to the last possession regulation. We ended up hitting a three sending it to over the first overtime. And then in the first overtime, I think we were down. Jeez, we were down two and we lost the ball driving to the basket. And one of their players picked it up and called the timeout and didn't have one. 
and there was about four seconds left. My point guard went, hit both free throws. We didn't score on the out-of-bounds, went to the second overtime. Kind of the same thing happened, foul, made shot. And the thing, I think what made this game one of the best games that I've personally ever seen in person is people just made shots. Like, they just, like, we'd hit one, they'd hit one. We'd hit one, they'd hit one. And it wasn't like there's was all these this bad play in between. Um, and then, you know, my point guard hit a couple other big free throws in that second overtime. And in the third overtime, he basically hit a runner with about three seconds to go to put us up two. Or yeah, about three or four seconds, and and if nothing else, I I'm, I I consider myself a decent scouter, especially you know ten years ago when everyone didn't have huddle and crossover and got a leg up a little <laughs> bit. Um, we knew what kind of out of we knew what play they were going to play at the end. Then, um, so then we ended up stealing the ball and their out of bounds play and, and winning it. The funny thing is. Um, before that play, there was about one second left, and I ran up to the crowd to hug my wife, and then I had to go get me out of the crowd to finish the game. Uh, so, and then, you know, half the thing are yelling, you haven't won yet. The other one, yeah, coach. And it's like, you know, um, but it was one of those games. And I should have quit. I've always told people, I, should, I, I don't know if I could ever coach in a game like that again. Um, it was just one of those magical – you know, and then we've we've lost state we've lost uh, state tournament finals in double and single overtime. Um, it was just one of those things that just everything lined up right, and um, yeah, it's just it's still I, I still can't believe we won the game, and it's almost been ten years. Well, I have a I have a bunch of questions. I'm going to start off with this question: the decision in triple overtime. Now, you I think you you might have said this. Did you not have a timeout? They bang a three off an inbounds play, and let me tell you what you. Should, I watched the highlights, and we have the highlights here in the uh, in the on the the thing on the comments. Ortiz looks cool, cool as a cucumber coming down the court. I mean, not he is not worried. He's not rushed. A lot of times, kids you know, blow it up the court and just throw up. He takes his time, goes to the left, comes off a screen to the right and gets in the lane. Like, did you have confidence that he was going to do First of all, he's a sophomore, which is mind boggling to me. On TV, you can see him winking on what he had. He had four free throws with less than three seconds in the second and first overtimes, like ice cold. He winked at the TV. He winked at the, he winked at the TV. So I didn't have any timeouts left. Um, I had three starters on the bench. They had at least two or three starters on their bench. So we're playing. Um, there's a guy on the court that is Barry Alvarez's grandson, who's a AD, used to be the football coach with Wisconsin, mm-hmm. yep. AD. He was on the sophomore team four weeks before that. Um <laughs> And the, and I don't know if I've ever I don't know if I've ever told Joe this, but the only reason I put him in rather than the other people on the bench is he was the only he, so my third starter fouled out in the third overtime with about two minutes to go. I think we were up maybe one or two at that point. I looked down the bench and he was the only one to make eye contact with me. The other kids on the bench didn't make eye contact. Looking away, I was like, "Don't put me in, coach." Because I'm talking about you know we're down to nine, ten, eleven. They're thinking, "Oh, don't put me in." <laughs> Joe's like Joe's like this because he's all you know. He was he played football for the Badgers and great mm. kid. And 
He um, has that DNA. He has that he has the DNA. DNA yeah. in him. He, he yeah. does. He does. He has that DNA. He's just that kind of kid. And it's like, put me in, put me in. He almost got a steal. And, um, but yeah, he was, we're, that's all. I always question whether you ride it, but he was, he was on a wave at that point that I knew he was going to either take the shot or get the ball to the person that needed to take the shot. Um, and I've always wondered, I, I'd, I'd be interested in what you guys think that, I think he, I think to win a state title, you, you need a you need a stud, obviously, but I think you need a point guard more than you need anything, um, because at some point along that track, something goes bad, and they kind of got. Every time I all all three that we won, I had a point guard that was just going to do things when I needed them to get done. Um, so I think if I was starting a state tournament team. I think you would build it around someone that's got the ball in their hands a lot. Uh, you know, maybe not even a, cause I've had some professional big guys and it's like, I don't know. I think you start with a point guard. I think in high school it's, it's huge. I mean, I, I know when I was coaching, I was coaching JV basketball and helping with the varsity, but we try to do so much defensively just because in my opinion, ball skills at the high school level are not that great compared to obviously college. But if you like, you're like, you're saying if you have a guard that can just put these double teams that we're running at you. Like, well, it's just a, it's a, it's a huge game changer in my opinion. That's, that's, right. that's me. Yeah. Um, Coach, I want to ask you about the set. You know, Chris brings up the point you don't call a timeout there after they bang a three in. And and I wish we could we, – we, again, we'll have this in the show notes so, so fans can watch this. But it looks like a almost like a, a horns-type set, a, a, kind is. of a, a double kind of drag ball screen. Tell me about that. Is that practiced or is that the, the kids just kind of – I mean, again, I wish I could tell you that this was something we had in our – we had literally put this in like two weeks beforehand mm-hmm. just to get – I mean, he, he shot – I think he missed like his – first eight I mean again it's like lightning in a bottle he he had a horrible like sectional semifinal game like sweet 16 wasn't shooting the ball real well even in the state semis I don't think he shot the ball real well um and even in the first half of this game but then something just it just clicked and it was if you watch they almost the, the team we were playing played almost too good a defense in the sense that they hedged and they gave him space. Um, and when you give a good player space, bad, bad things can happen, especially was you watch the Mavericks be when the game, when the other night you gave him a little space, he's going to hit that deep three. Um, so uh, yeah, that's, that's what happened. It was just kind of a horn set. It was just kind of a double ball screen. And the thing is, you know, he, that was pr- that was 2011. So you know everyone's doing kind of that now. No one was really doing that then. Um, so we had worked on you know if 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 they were hedging too much, we he could he could deny the screen and go the other direction too. Mm-hmm. And we would put two guys in the corner basically at that point. So we were just trying to spread the floor for them. Um, and even if I had had a timeout, not sure I would have taken it. Um, just because, again, I don't think high school kids really adjust well when all of a sudden you change. I mean, that would have taken ten seconds to get it over half court on that big on that big floor. You know that you're dealing with a ninety four foot floor at that point. So, um, yeah, I think that probably that was one of my better decisions. Not calling a timeout, even though I didn't have any. <laughs> uh, uh, Florida had sort of popularized that set under Billy Donovan. That the yeah. two high ball screen. He had a real good flow with it at Florida with the, with the teams he had. Coach, I want to ask you about 
the magnitude, if you've looked back, I read through this article, you talked about it, the magnitude of this game, okay, it's a state championship game, so it's big anyway. Triple overtime, it says here, the 12th overtime championship game in the 97-year history of the WIA, Wisconsin Interscholastic Athletic Association, I assume that's what that yep. stands for. Yep. The only triple overtime game and a run of seven state championship game appearances in eight seasons, and that was your third state title in that, that eight-year run. Like, have, did you sit down after that? or I mean, have you sat down and realized what that eight-year run was like? Uh, yeah, we, we, it, I think we got it to nine or ten because um, we went the following year. Um, I think we got to nine because ten was a record, and we, we lost in just before for the ten. Um, uh you know, during that, I really was. I'm thinking about it more now that I'm getting older and getting near the end. Um, we were definitely the Yankees at that point. Mm. Uh, <laughs> um, I think people would have. I mean, I couldn't grocery shop. People would come up to me and scream at me at the in the grocery store about you know, you know, all this kind of stuff, um, <laughs> which didn't really bother me. That's fine. I didn't really want to go to the grocery store anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, did I really, did I understand the magnitude of it? Um, I don't know if I understood the magnitude at the time. I, people still come up to me about that game. Um, it's one of those, um, it's probably that and the Decker hitting the big, some big shots in, in his state finals. It's probably the two most pot and Weaver hitting the big one. Um, you know, I would be anywhere in Wisconsin and people would come up to me about that game. Um, and part of it was the Badgers won about halfway through the fourth quarter of our game. So everyone turned off the NCAAs and flipped on our game. So they didn't they, – the first part, of, you know, the, the first three and a half quarters were good basketball, but they weren't that. So I think that compounded and magnified the importance of the game. Um, because so many people were, we're, our, we're one of the, we might be the only state that has, it's on ABC statewide. Wow. Um, yeah. So it's always been that way. It's been that way since I was a kid. Um, I think it's ABC, but, but anyway, it's statewide. So if you have a TV and you turn it on, you can watch state tournament boys and girls, every game, every That's game awesome. time. It, it is awesome. So it's one of the reasons we're kind of, there's a Hoosier like feeling in this state. Um, because everybody has access now. It's gotten a little different recently because people can put it on all sorts of different channels, and mm -hmm. basically. But, you know, when I was growing up, you know, you could watch it. Everybody watched it. You watched it at high school. Like, everybody rolled the TV and you'd watch it. So I think that magnified that that is one of the better games probably in the boys' state tournament ever in Wisconsin um, just because <laughs> – Everyone in the state flipped the channel, and there it was. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say that people were rooting for us in the in the in the Cole Center at that point, but they really weren't. <laughs> <laughs> they were rooting against us, to be honest with you. But it ended up being a good game. Uh, one more question. I, I one more question before we get. I always ask this. I've asked this a lot. Did you ever have you ever watched the full game, the tape of the full game, of that game? That's a great question. Um, I think I did. I think I have in the last couple of years with my son. Mm -hmm. um, 
I, I mean, I don't, I don't tend to go. I mean, I'm kind of like an actor and actress. I don't tend to go back and watch stuff. No, really, a lot of coaches, when a game like that, you don't, it's like the, the moment was so good. What rewatching, it's never going to be as good. Right. I, and I'm telling you, I have, I have, I have not watched. We, we've, we've got four silver balls in our, we've, we've, we've got four runner up and three state in that stretch. We have four runner ups. I haven't watched any of those runner ups. No, oh, no, not those ones. <laughs> I mean, they're horrible. I mean, people don't understand that. And, and they laugh at me when I, and I still say this, it is worse to get the silver ball than to lose in the third round of this tournament. I'm telling you, it is the, it is, it is the, I call it the Hillary Clinton thing. It's like <laughs> to be that close and then lose is has to feel really bad. Like, and it does, it's horrible. <laughs> It is. Yeah, there's no doubt. Like how bad she feels. Like, seriously, how bad do you feel when you run for president? You get two million more votes and you lose. Like, how do you wake up the next morning? It's tough. It's a tough morning. It's a tough morning. <laughs> it's got to be tough. But my final question I like to ask always, Coach, is if now if I asked, if I asked Wesley Matthews, who played for you, what, 12, 14 years ago, and I asked your son, who just finished playing for you, and when they're doing their Coach Collins impression, because they all have one, they all have one, what's the one thing they say that you say all the time? Um, well, I kick the bleachers. So they would, they, would, they would impersonate me kicking the bleachers. In so games I use, or practice? During games. And I'll literally watch over. I also say H1 because H1 is the end of my bench. I want to get T-shirts with H1. So, our, you know, we have an old – we still have an old gym with – doesn't have like the wide aisles and still mm -hmm. wooden and they're labeled and h1 is on our bench so i all i'll do to kids is i'll just say h1 sometimes they know what it means it's <laughs> that's where you're gonna be if you do that um but i i use and i officials yell at me all the time when we're at home i'll kick the bleachers i won't say anything mm -hmm. i'll just whack them with the back of my foot because i broke my big right toe going the other way so i okay. learned way that you don't go forward with the dress shoes um so now it's the back of my heel um so that would probably if the, if there was an impersonation it would be that um does the wife get on you for scuffing up the shoes by kicking the bleachers or uh yeah i yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um I, I actually got that piece. I have it down in my in my movie room now in my basement. So I have actually a piece of the bleachers down there. So it looks pretty cool. <laughs> we got new scoreboards. So I took the scoreboard out of the gym and uh, now I, I hung it. Uh, it's down in my basement. Oh, that's so, cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, they would do, I mean, I don't know. They would, I'm, I tend to be pretty animated, but Wesley, Wesley always comes back to practice. Um, and he came back this year. He always comes back obviously this year is a little different but he was there at practice this year and he 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 always reminds me that i've mellowed he goes you were never like this when i was here coach so, and that, that's so. why every kid who comes back to a practice it could be a year later and they'll say oh you've mellowed yeah. <laughs> and he but but i think he's actually right i think <laughs> i was like he hit i three mr basketballs his junior year um on my team, one that ended up winning it that year, which Wesley's junior year, then Wesley won Mr. Basketball. And then I had Keaton who won it two years later. So I had three and we lost wow. in the state finals that year. Um, Wesley broke his hand in the semis. Uh, that was, 
I always think that's my best team. Wesley says, well, they didn't win it, so they can't be your best team. Um, but we were undefeated the entire season and lost in the state finals. Um, so that was a tough one. But So H1. I, I want to get an H1 shirt. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know a couple of printers down here in South Carolina. I'd be happy to to print those up for you, Coach. <laughs> so, Coach, we went through the laundry list here in the intro, but I'd love to hear more about your uh, your website, your podcast. Uh, just the, the floor is yours. Tell us, tell us all we need to know. Oh about gosh, what's how much time you got? So, I I don't sleep. My wife can convince I'm part vampire. Um, so I have three podcasts. I have uh, Basketball Coach Unplugged, um, which I started, geez, probably four or five years ago and has morphed into just about everything. Like I'll ask, I'll interview coaches. I'll just get on and talk about things I'm thinking. Um, I'll talk to members of my, of my community. I'll do, you know, just about anything that has to do with basketball that, um, you know, I'll have come, people come talk about specific topics. Um, so we're, like I said before, we're probably seven, 800 episodes and, and basketball coach unplugged. And then maybe about two years ago, I started high school hoops with one of my friends. Um, we do that weekly and we just basically talk high school basketball. Um, and just got on talking about different offenses and things like that. And him and I just get to get a reason for him and I to get together and talk. And, um, we do that once a week. And then, uh, I started, hey, I, know podca- I know a podcast like that where two friends just yeah. like to get together yeah. and, talk. Totally <laughs> and those are the, those are the best ones. I'm telling you, those are the best ones. And then, um, I started teacher side gig during the pandemic. Um, and the, here's the reason I started that podcast. I'm not making any money off. It. I'm not doing anything. I'm just, anyway, it's, um, I think, well, we can get in a whole thing about teachers not making enough money. Um, but I think every teacher has a side gig and it intrigues me what everyone's side gig is. So I'm trying to find teachers and find out about their side gigs. I got to have you on and you, we got to do one about your, your standup, just okay. like just about standup. But anyway, everyone's got side gigs. And um, so I'm interviewing, like there's a guy that does window washing in Utah and I interviewed him and there's like, so I started that during the pod during the pandemic because I didn't have enough to do and it intrigued <laughs> me. Um, so if it intrigues me, then I'm going to do it. So I basically publish about 10 podcasts a week, which is crazy. Um, and then uh, I, I started teachhoops.com maybe about three or four years ago with my brother, um, which is basically uh, I would consider, I don't know, it's like a mentorship slash Netflix slash a little bit of everything that you would want to be a basketball coach. Um, and uh, part of the reason I started that was part of my exit plan to get out of teaching. Part of it was I wanted to give back to coaches. Um, I, I was teasing YouTube before I came on here that I was talking, I think I started about, I had like three teachers members I was talking to before I came on the podcast and we were just talking about one, one's actually getting his master's at Temple. Um, another one is in, in, in Texas. And they just have, they just have questions and they want somebody goes back to the mentor thing. Some people can't find mentors. So I'm trying to help them through this. Um, so that's, that's that. I, a couple things I do want to show. I, 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 I was telling Chris, I started, I did a roadmap. Um, for basketball coaches and I've been working on it for about a month. Um, so I'd like to anybody that's listening that would like that. They, I, I bought the, I bought the URL yesterday 
um, basketballroadmap.com. If you go there, it will take you, and then you can download it. Um, and I don't even know what it's at right now, like 15 pages. It's a checklist. It's basically everything you need to be a coach, preseason, in-season, out-of-season, things you should think about if you want it, basketballroadmap.com. Super easy. Put your email. I'll send it to you. Done. Um, and then um, I always want to keep learning. Um, and I, Chris knows, I run, the, I run a form of the read and react slash dribble drive, which had, doesn't have a name, but something like that. Um, and I'm always looking to kind of tweak that. So I don't know much about the Princeton offense, and I don't know if you guys do, um, but it's a super duper secret to try to find anything on it. Um, the Princeton guys don't love to share. Um, there's stories about Krell basically hanging up on people saying, go watch tape, hang up. <laughs> um, so I found somebody, John Wheeler, who I really like and is doing really cool stuff. Um, and he has decided to um, kind of do, do like a three-day workshop for anybody that wants to do it, um, which is really cool. Uh and I've learned so much. I've already learned a couple of things, you know, there's, there's the basic sets like the posts and the horn. A lot of people run like the horn set, but there's so much more to it. Um, so he's going to do something in the middle of September, which will be perfect. If this goes up at the beginning of September, he does it twice a year, three nights live. He's going to go through stuff to kind of help you run, run the Princeton offense. Um, so www.teachhoops.com princeton.com and then you can sign up and he'll walk you through it so www.teachhoops which is me princeton.com and then he'll walk you through it and it's really cool he's going to give you like a 21 page kind of handout if you want to do it um and then he's going to offer if you want more than he's going to give you in those three days and he's got something else but whatever i mean it's i think it's really good i wouldn't i wouldn't put my name on it if i didn't think it was good um so there's there's my pitch. So, Steve, we just got to we got to find you something to do. I mean, it just really sounds like you're just kind of bored. It's really what it is. Well, you know, I'm I'm not. Hey, but I'm really proud that I have not I have not missed a walk since March 13th. At least two walks a day. Um, uh, I would I usually walk 10 to 12,000 steps in a normal school day. Um, and I was freaked out that I wasn't going to get those. So I have to go for two walks a day to get how much I walk, how much I walk during the basketball season and, and teaching. Um, so, yeah. So that's why I listen to podcasts. Like your podcast is what I listen go. to. I know. Don't forget, don't forget, Brian. He said when you need uh, advice or a mentor on financial stuff, he goes to his brother with the Harvard MBA, and he slipped in there that he started the website with his brother. So that leads me to think that that's bringing in some cash. That's all I'm saying. Uh, leads yeah. me to think. <laughs> See, yeah. <laughs> but no, I'm but you got to go to people. No, but I'll tell you a story, though. The first pod, the first business him and I started crashed. And I'll tell you what it was. It was called coachmarket.net. And it, what it was going to do is was going to put coaches and players together um, to, to like tutor. Like you'd put the trainer and the player together. The problem is which one do you pick first? The, is it the chicken or the, you know, do okay. you go find the trainers and then not the kids or the kids not the trainers? And it just didn't work. It was just like couldn't find facilities. It was just like, oh, my God. There's a point where you just kind of let it go. Um, so 
yeah, so, you know, starting businesses is not an easy thing, but it keeps so, you busy. Just one question. Do you actually know the name of your children and your wife? Do you know their names? Or <laughs> I do. I do. I do. I do. I, I'm, a, I'm a morning person. Um, so I do a lot before they wake up. Before, yeah, before. <laughs> yep. And then I'm telling you, from about 9 to 1, I get a lot done. I get a lot done from about 9 p.m. to 1. You know, I'm like not. I'm not Army. sitting in a. I'm not sitting in a parking lot telling jokes, man. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm working. <laughs> well, Steve, I'll tell you, it's a beautiful website. Teach hoops. Teach com. It's 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 timely here. Oh, it's uh, social. It's going to be done. It's it. The site you're looking at right now, maybe by September second, will be brand new. We're redoing it. Um, so what you're looking at is good, but what we're gonna put up is unbelievably good like yeah yeah and, and i'm just and too this the content i mean just timely social distance individual skill development like who who else is talking about that and it's here for people to download right here so i just i think from from what you from what i'm seeing here what you're doing for the basketball community at large i think it's a huge huge service i, I love this so much thank you thank you yeah I'm, I'm trying to think of what if, what happens if i don't have a season like how am i going to connect with my guys that really kind of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really struggling with that right now. And that's what, I mean, one of my notebooks is full of pages. It's like, all right, what am I going to do November 3rd when I, or 16th when I can't see them um, to, you know, cause I got to stay connected with them. I don't, I'm still their coach, even though I'm yeah. not going to be able to be in a court with them. So that's yeah. so true. Yeah. We, we've been fortunate down here in South Carolina to be able to at least do fall sports workouts right now. We've had a couple of seasons startup practice wise, but you know, everything's distance and all that. But you know what? Reality is we don't care. I don't care. Like kids are on campus. Kids are around our coaches. We're around the kids. And it's just that, that loving interchange that, that we, that's, that's why we got into this business. And right. now we, and so to think about that, uh, you know, you or anybody else that may not have that opportunity, it's tough. It's, it's really, it's really difficult. I know it's so hard for them. They don't understand. They just don't understand why either. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, coach, I'll tell you what, this has been an enlightening uh, hour or so with you. can't thank you enough for, for coming on the show. We'll again, we'll link everything. I'm not going to go through everything that, that we just went through. No, we'll thank link you. Everything. I mean, I love your guys. You, what you're doing is like, I don't know if I've talked to Chris about this, but like, there's been there's been more podcasts pop up than weeds on a, like in a you know <laughs> I'm just telling you and you guys were I, I love what you're doing because it's unique it's it's something that's not out there like no one else needs another coach unplugged no one I mean no one I mean trust me everything I've right. said's probably been said three times <laughs> I love that you guys found something that's unique um, that coaches first of all love to talk about themselves. Um, but they definitely love to talk about their favorite game or, um, things like their best game. So I think that's, what's, what I'm telling you is it's going it, to, it's great. And that's why I put it on my list. I put it on my list of some of my favorite podcasts, um, because I think it's something that's not, you know, it's unique out there. And that's why I, I take my hat off to you too. Thank you. Well, 
We appreciate that. Appreciate you putting us on the list. We're just, just, I tell you, to put Chris on blast here, this was a, a great idea by Chris that I was just thankful enough to be on the other end of the phone when he said, Hey, you want to do the podcast with me? Yeah, absolutely. And it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Like you said earlier, we we're talking about earlier, just two friends to get together and talk hoops and then get to talk to people all over the country and all over the world. It's been, it's been a real hoot. So just uh, our own little way to give back a little bit too uh, during, during challenging times as well. So, no, but, I think it's uh, great. Keep it up. We appreciate it. Well, guys, let's go ahead and put a button on this one here. And uh, this was this was great. But for my co-host, Chris de Blasio, I'm Brian Rosefield. And thank you for listening to this episode of The Greatest Games.